Hello and welcome to this, the first Amnesty International podcast for 2011. In this month's podcast, we'll be hearing from our research team on the ground in Egypt and discuss the human rights impact social media is having in the region. We don't want something different. We just want the same that any human being enjoys is anywhere in the world. We need our rights back. We need our country back. We'll also be hearing from the playwright Tom Stoppard on the assault on human rights taking place in Belarus. All authoritarian regimes rely on and would like to maintain a state of ignorance about what's going on. Then we have a feature from Haiti where we recently launched a report on the dangers for women in camps after the earthquake there more than a year ago. Justice is something you can buy in Haiti. You have a problem with someone. Even if you are right, if that person has money, you have no chance of justice. Amnesty International have research teams in the Middle East and North Africa who have been recording in great detail the massive abuses going on there. Amnesty's James Lynch was part of the team in Egypt, and if you weren't following his tweets, here is what he and some of the protesters had to say on human rights in Egypt. Lots of the, the, the things that people say to us are very focused on um, the political repression, the lack of freedom of expression, the, the state of emergency that existed for 30 years, which has, along with another set of very restrictive laws, um, has allowed this, this government to entrench torture in the system. It, torture has become systematic across the country in, in, in police stations as well as prisons. Um, it has allowed people to be detained without charge uh, or trial for years, for, for, for decades. We know that we need our we need our rights. We lived in tyranny for thirty years. I think this generation, all the people from the age of twenty one or nineteen till the age of thirty, are down in the streets and they're fighting for the rights. We don't want something different. We just want the same that any human being enjoys is anywhere in the world. We need our rights back. We need our country back. We did make a movement, and we we had this all the support from uh, people all over the world uh, supporting supporting what we want that that has been quite an experience for me also to see the change in in the egyptian people amnesty international secretary general salil shetty the benefits of economic growth uh, which egypt has seen has not reached the majority of the egyptian population you know it's a highly unequal country with a handful of uh, you know families and the elite capturing the benefits of everything that's happened whether it's uh, foreign aid or infrastructure development or tourism uh, you know amnesty has been more and more talking about the indivisibility of these rights the economic social rights and the civil political rights and what's happened in tunisia and egypt clearly represent how these two things have come together the, the ruling party has told people for years that, that this is the price they pay for a better economy, for better living conditions. But in fact, that's evidently not true. This is a country with 40, where 40% 40 of people live underneath the international poverty line of $2 a day. And, and a large number more live absolutely on that line. And frankly, that, that is not enough to, to uh, get by and, and feed your family in Egypt today. Um, it's a country where 6 million people in Cairo, in, in, great, in the greater Cairo region, that's about half the people in Cairo, live in slums. These are the kind of things that protesters are talking to us about. They say we want jobs, we want to live, we want to be free, we want to, we want to be able to speak. So young people who are not skeptical and you know, those who haven't given up 
have simply risen to the occasion you know, and they've used uh, social media, you know, Twitter and Facebook and mobile phones and organized themselves in ways that are, I mean, I think what's, I'm not surprised that it's happened. It was, I was, I was pretty sure it was going to happen. I'm certainly surprised about uh, the speed at which it's happened and the scale at which it's happened. The fact that the internet and telephone network was almost entirely cut off by the Egyptian government shows their power and their concerns over the role social networks and technology are playing. But do these networks really make a difference to how people fight for their human rights? Amnesty International's Whitney Brown. The young man who burned himself to death, who was the one who, in some ways, it was his death that sparked the protest, wasn't on Facebook, wasn't reading WikiLeaks. This is not about that. It is about the courage of activists who said enough is enough. So it absolutely can be overstated, but it is a factor. There is some element of organizing that appears to be going on through, for instance, Facebook or comparable sites. And I think even more importantly, what we're really seeing is solidarity with the activists. And particularly around Tunisia, you saw the postings from people in Egypt and Yemen and Algeria basically saying, yes, we're with you. And I think that particularly that regional solidarity did play a role. What's well, interesting, because of course we've been talking about you know, how interesting it is to watch this develop, but when you think about it, the first printing press really revolutionized information, access to information, the ability to disseminate it. And of course, when you go back to the fall of the wall back in 1989, many people attributed fax machines and the ability of people to send faxes, and both in solidarity and to challenge the government as an, an element there. And even when you think about Amnesty International's roots, Amnesty International started in 1961 where you started having global mail service everywhere. So the idea that you could flood a dictator's office with letters from Amnesty International members from all over the world, that had to happen at a time when it was it actually could happen. And so this is just another generation, very different in some ways, and yet it's about seeing technology not as deterministic. There's nothing inherently pro-human rights about the technology that we're seeing. It can be used to repress equally, but it is a tool for us, and it's a tool that we need to learn to use as intelligently and securely as possible. Belarus is an overt dictatorship, and as such, it's there like a dinosaur, curiously enough, still stomping around a precious part of Europe. The playwright Tom Stoppard. In December, thousands demonstrated against the re-election of Alexander Lukashenko. More than 700 people were detained and hundreds given short prison sentences just for taking part in peaceful demonstration. Many of those still in detention have been charged with the criminal offence of organising mass disorder, which carries a maximum prison sentence of 15 years. Amnesty International considers most of these people to be prisoners of conscience who have been charged merely for expressing legitimate concerns about the elections. All authoritarian regimes rely on and would like to maintain a state of ignorance about what's going on. And they don't like the light and the heat of open discussion and free expression about their activities. I have friends in Belarus. Uh, among those friends is a small number who are actually in prison at the moment. Uh, I believe that their 
completely innocent and good people who would like to live in a fair democratic society. I believe that they're being violently suppressed at the moment or threatened, persecuted in various ways. And I'm very, very grateful and proud to be associated with uh, the actions which are now taking place under the rubric of Index, Amnesty and other organizations. The January 2010 earthquake devastated Haiti. More than 230,000 people were killed and 300,000 more injured. Nearly 2 million people were left homeless. Now, one year on, more than 1,350,000 people are still living in camps. The conditions in most of these camps are appalling. Food is not the biggest issue. The main concern is the health of the people in this camp. If you look behind us, you can see the river. It's full of rubbish. It's not very good for our health. Many camps fall short of minimum standards, especially when it comes to water and sanitation. The spread of cholera is a daily threat, and the chaos and living conditions in these camps are leaving women open to rape and other violence. I was on my way home from the store. I was stopped by three men. I tried to talk to them, and then I tried to run. But I didn't have enough strength to fight them. And after a while, I lost the strength to resist them. As a student, it is not easy to talk about these things. There is nowhere for me to go to explain what happened to me. I kept it to myself because it is not something you can normally talk about. Yolande Bezalet works for the organisation Favilec, who aim to help victims find justice. The committees in the camps are trying to provide some kind of security, but it cannot be done for 24 hours because people need to sleep and things are especially dangerous at night. When people want to make use of the toilets, for example, they will be followed by the aggressor and attacked. The government was supposed to put some structure in the camps, at least a police station to provide some security in the day and night to avoid the mass increase in violence within the camps. But it's something that they have failed to provide. My only wish is for us to stick together and carry on fighting so that women can find justice in Haiti. If not for ourselves, then for the future generation. Amnesty International says that the incoming Haitian government must make security in the camps a priority and the international community must help. Feeling safe from sexual violence is a basic human right. We've come to the end of this podcast, but if you want more information on human rights in Haiti or any of the other topics in this podcast, please visit amnesty.org or you can keep right up to date by following us on Twitter and Facebook. Goodbye and thanks for listening. <laughs>